Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 171 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Jacob, how's it going? Pretty good, except for it's freezing in this town again. I think winter's coming a little early for us this year, man. I actually pulled out the winter coat today. I, I was wearing my fall coats, but then I was like, I'm kind of uncomfortable walking outside in my fall coat. And today, I was like, oh, it's not even bad outside because I'm bundled up. I got my scarf. I know I'm, I've got my uh, my fall coat as well. I think I need to switch it up a little bit. There's not enough uh, not enough down in those. But it arms. can stay like this for a while. No colder, please. Thank no, you very no much. No colder. I mean, if you want to go a little degrees warmer, you know that'd be cool too. It would be, it'd be appreciated. That. Did you hear our poor boy Jason Momoa got COVID at the Dune premiere? You know what? You know what? If he would have been having his beard, that would have filtered out the COVID <laughs> and he wouldn't have to worry about it. Maybe he does have his beard back. Maybe. I feel like that dude could grow a full beard in like a week. Yeah, it's probably true. He like wakes up in the morning and he's just got like a five o'clock shadow going on. <laughs> I would believe that. <laughs> it's kind of like when Homer shaves. It just like immediately comes back as soon as he's done doing it. I love that so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what else is cool that's going on in the world. Did you see, this doesn't interest you, but they have Carrie Bradshaw's apartment from Sex and the City on Airbnb and they're renting it out for two days. Oh, okay. Why? Two? I would do that if I was in New York City. That sounds fun. It's like $23. $23 a day? Like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh, man, what is wrong with the apartment? That would Nothing. They're just doing, like, a thing. Oh, I'm about to say, like, is there some reason that it's only 23 But it's like if you just oh, made that a thing all the time, people would pay a ton of money because, you know, people are weird with that stuff. They absolutely would. I mean, especially for $23. I mean, I wouldn't know anything about Sex of the City, but if you tell me I'd get an apartment in New York for $23 a night, I'll, I'll show up there. It was, like so many shows, I'm realizing in my older age that I loved, and then when I rewatched as an adult like is a really older adult not just like in my 20s i'm like wow there's a lot of problems oh, yeah. with these shows that i enjoyed even like the heroes i root for i'm like no it was kind of your fault so it is just really strange i try i'm like i just can't revisit things i loved when i was young i don't want my 40 year old sensibilities on it you, you can't uh, you can't go home again on some of these shows unfortunately that is that is totally you, it. You can watch it for the fashion and the love of alcohol and stuff. And decide, <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Decide which of the four ladies you turned into at the end of your life. Speaking of home again, let's talk about America and who it was originally home to since it is November, which is Native Heritage Month. That was a nice transition. I right? like what you did there. It was a little rocky, but, but I made it there. <laughs> so this month um, brings awareness to celebrate and recognize the many contributions made by Native people in the United States. Um, there's Alaskan Natives and American Indians and Native Hawaiians, um, along with all the other indigenous peoples in our country and across the globe. And so this month is a good time to honor the culture and heritage that millions of Native people share with us daily um, for just decades and decades. Native Americans were depicted as just savages yep. in every Western film of like the 1930s and 40s. Usually played by very Italian looking gentlemen. <laughs> oh, I know, the it's so painful. That started to change in 1950. The film Broken Arrow came out. The Searchers came out in 1956 and it kind of began to address the racial prejudice. Then in the 1970s, Dustin Hoffman starred in Little Big Man, um, which we're going to talk about. 
That was, um, oh, Marlon Brando. Remember when he skipped his Oscar speech for The Godfather? Oh, I do remember that. And he sent, um, what, I forget her name, White Feather? Sachin Littlefeather. Littlefeather, that's what it was. To, to come speak up and... about negative um, NATO, native stereotypes, which people did not react well to. No, a little, little stuffy about that, um, you know. But it was kind of great you, that Marlon he did Brando. it. And then, so then film kind of moved on in the 1990s. Um, Hollywood finally began depicting Native Americans more as heroes, like in Dances with Wolves in 1990 and Last of the Mohicans in 92. Again, we're going to talk about those. And even in Pocahontas, Disney's Pocahontas came out. Um, yes. And while these Oscar-winning stories were told with good intentions, they were still largely told through the lens of white filmmakers sure i mean you had to like slap a kevin costner or daniel day lewis and um mel gibson onto the front of those to like get them to sell it's true it's true but at least it was a a better life because we've all seen examples of like really inaccurate cultural portrayals of native people and it really does contribute to the marginalization and dehumanization of them oh i mean it's still going to this day i mean Look at the World Series. You know that one that nobody watched and nobody cared about because of the teams. Yeah, like, they, they keep still doing like still, the tomahawk chop. Still doing at it. The Chiefs games too for the for football. And you just kind of watch it like, Ugh. like still, bro. Like that's the best you got, dudes. You gotta We're come still up with doing that. Better than that. It's honestly all of our responsibility to really change the narrative. Um, and I think the best way to do that is seeing Native people as they choose to be seen. So like watching films created by native people and reading books um 2019 was actually a big year where indigenous talent was finally recognized as like as major players in the american movie industry because um an academy award was given to our favorite west studi man that's that's easily the best native actor in hollywood at the moment oh definitely and then we had like screenwriters like your boy taika he Mm -hmm. won so that's a really big thing. And then Netflix and Apple TV and the Sundance Channel, and a lot of them have been a real streaming platform for indigenous if, um, talent. If you need um, if you need somebody to star in your native TV show, especially if it's in the 1900s, you better believe Jason Momoa will star in your show. He, it's he, true. He he's all he's all about it. If he gets to wear some furs and growl into the camera, you know he's, <laughs> he's going to be there. So I've heard that we're kind of experiencing an indigenous renaissance. What do you think about that? Do you think that's accurate uh you know it's getting there they're putting out a lot more stuff the stuff that they are putting out about natives is a lot more high quality yeah they're not you're not getting as openly offensive ones and on a side note i actually think that it's good the way that they're uh, like portraying kind of like the despair on the reservations and stuff a little bit more people are starting to see it you know you could talk about it in passing but when it's actually in things that you're watching and seeing and you actually get to see what's going on that's kind of how you affect change a little bit in I also feel Hopefully. like, you know, people feel a little more comfortable putting it on screen and actually getting it made. So I yeah. like that idea. It's great. So where you can, if you have any of these streamings, because a lot of these things aren't available on DVD yet, but there are a lot of films made by natives that you should check out. Today we're going to talk about some things, most that you can get at the library, so they're a little more accessible, but they're still good films. You ready? Yeah, yeah let's do it. Let's All right, it here up. we go. We're jumping right in. I'm starting with a film from 1998 called Smoke Signals. Ah, Smoke Signals. Of course. This is a, a, a Cheyenne um, Arapahoa? Arapaho. Arapaho. Thanks, yes. bud. This the, That was the director, Chris I's debut. Um, it was the first film made entirely 
by Native Americans. This is adapted by uh, Sherman Alexie from one of his stories, and it is a, like a really excellent self-discovery story. We have Victor and Thomas. Um, are you going to be able to tell me the name of the reservation that they live on? Oh, boy, that's a rough one. Cordeline? Okay. Go with that. It looks I'll, like it's French, so we'll, trust, we'll go ahead and say I'll that. I'll trust my native co-host um, in <laughs> Idaho, and they embark on a road trip that helps them to come to terms with their complicated past. So Victor, he you know, he loves and despises his abusive alcoholic father, Arnold, and then in contrast, Thomas reveres Arnold, who rescued him from a house fire when he was an infant. The film actually won the Sundance Filmmakers Trophy and Audience Award, as well as the Native American Film Festival's Best Film Prize um, back in 1998. So this is still, this is a really good film. And you're like, oh, it's just Native people being people. Yeah. Which took so long to not have them just, you know, on their horses or sitting around. This is just people living their life. So this is a great film to start with, I think. Yeah, nobody randomly walking out of sweat lodges and such or whatever it is that they had people doing. Yeah, exactly. It also introduced us to Adam Beach, so that's always a good thing, too. Yeah, like, definitely. Like that guy around. You know what? Since you mentioned uh, Smoke Signals, I think I will mention another Chris Iyer movie. Okay. Chris Iyer, Chris Iyer. Either way. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be 2002's Skins. Have you ever seen this one? No, I've heard of Skins, but I've never seen it. It's a rough one. So basically, it's a story of Rudy and Moji Yellow. Um, they are Lakota Sioux um, brothers who live on their reservation. Uh, Rudy is a little bit more trying to be... You know, more like a modern one. He's got a job as a. He's trying to be a cop. He's got all these other responsibilities. Trying to buy into society more. His brother Muji is more of the, um, you know, what you would say, stereotype, like alcoholic, kind of a troublemaker kind of thing on the reservation. Okay. But basically, what the movie is about is Rudy living in the society, and then his brother kind of causing trouble. Like he goes around, he's burning down like liquor stores that sell. Um, liquor to, na to the natives on the reservation that totally on, exploit like, uh, most reservations yeah like they only they only really like open up on payday he's yeah. like going after other people he puts like face paint on in order to do this calling himself like the spirit of vengeance for native people okay it is a very interesting movie but what it does is it kind of is a movie that rudy is kind of has to come to terms with the history of what's happened to his people, how it's led to a society that he's embracing now. And you know, like, what does that mean for him? And like, what does it show about America that it was like born on the blood of the native people and stuff like that? It's not great. It all culminates in like an awesome final shot, which I'm not going to like point it out here. But okay. if you check it out and you see that thing and the whole themes of this movie about alcoholism and loss of um, character and culture and things like that and the destruction of an entire people. It's a rough movie. Like you watch Smoke Signals and you're like, oh, it's a little bit happier and not and then you as go intense. Into this. Okay. Yeah, you watch Skins and it's like, oof. It's one of those ones where if you go hang out with some native people on the res, this is the movie that they mentioned about the first thing that they want to watch or have people see. And it is definitely a thing. It's worth checking out if you haven't seen it before. No, I'm sold. You sold me on it, Jacob. Yeah. And of course, Graham Greene is playing the brother Moji, so you know you're going to get some good acting whenever S Graham Greene shows up. So good. I, I feel kind of bad. It's like Graham Greene, West Study, and like Adam Beach. Those are like the three first ones you call I'm trying up. to think who played um, uh, Mogwai in Last of the Mohicans. 
What's his oh name? Oh my god! It's killing me. My grandma met him and loved Sh- him. Schilling Gosters? No. no, it's not that one. I, I'm not gonna remember who it it's is. It's killing I, me. I'll, I'll look it up there. While yeah, you're yeah, doing look that. it up while we're doing this. So I'm gonna do two because we're gonna just kind of do the white man um, as the star of the film, but are still good movies. The first one is Little Big Man that came out in 1970. That stars Dustin Hoffman as Jack Crab, who ages um, from 17. Um, to like 121, I think is yeah. That's in, it's, it's a stretch for sure. Yeah, in Arthur Penn's film of Thomas Berger's novel, and it's kind of the prism for a revisionist perspective on the Plains Indians. So he is a white orphan who is raised by the uh, Cheyennes and ends up marrying one, only to witness her murder by Custer's Seventh Cavalry. Um, and then he ends up being enlisted as a scout by Custer, and he then sees the Cheyenne and the Sioux exact the revenge at the Battle of Little Bighorn. So by telling the story through the eyes of a white captive, Little Big Man offers insight into like how prejudice can be turned on its head. So you're kind of seeing both sides, and then he's kind of determining, like, well... This is why this sort of happened. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely an interesting movie to check out. And yeah. it's got Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, it's got prime Dustin Hoffman. Like, you know, there's never anything wrong with that. Yeah. I, I do like that they've shown those more perspectives. Like, what's that? I don't remember the author, but that and they made a show out of it with Pierce Brosnan with The Sun. That's another one that deals with, like, white people getting abducted by Native culture and then learning more about it. And being like, please don't let me go home. This place is great. Yeah, this is much better than this what was going This is much better. On. And then I have to just do Dances with Wolves. Of course. 1990, this is Kevin Costner. It's the only film, as we said, about Native Americans to win a Best Picture Oscar. And it's about, like, after Civil War heroics, Costner is a former Union Army lieutenant. And then he befriends the the Sioux Indians and grows to love their ways. Um, And then, you know, the army shows up and they ruin everything. Everything. But much of the film's dialogue is spoken in Lakota or Pawnee, which is awesome. Yeah. The director of the Native American Film Festival commented that there is a lot of good feeling about the film in the Indian community and that they felt it was going to be really hard to top this film and i think honestly no other film depicting native americans has ever achieved this much fame no i would popularity i would agree with that because you know dances with wolves it's it's one of those all-time great movies i feel like it's one that i that people are going to be talking about for a while and it's it is it there's a reason that it's the first movie people think about a lot of time when they think of natives because it does have good portrayals good performances it does have good portrayals it was actually a really tremendous boon for the native acting community because in 1985 only 87 native actors were employed in the actors guild and then after dances with wolves came out the number increased to 436 in 1993 that's a heck of a jump yeah, so they were looking at them differently. And then I had read, like, Wes Studi, our favorite. He said the movie was such a turning point for his career. Um, and that because they were finally showing this human dimension to Native characters. And that he still always gets recognized from Dances with Wolves, even though he has, like, nearly 100 film and television credits to his name. You know? Oh, yeah. People are just like, yeah, dance he's, with wolves. He's like, oh, we can actually put this amazing actor in our TV shows and movies and stuff. And like, oh, I guess we can. And <laughs> it's been. And he can just be a person. But he was really proud of Dances with Wolves because it was like no more wooden in- Indians. It was like actual people. And they people got to look inside and see how it must have been 200 years ago. Yeah. I will just say with a caveat, 
Not all natives were happy with the film. Yeah, well, I was saying, like, hey, Wes, like, you know, I'm one of those wood Indians. I'm watch what you're saying there, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you're not. Hey, you're yeah, not. I'm from one of these Northeast guys. It's, it's a I guess I thing. thought of it as, like, just, I, I, just like, how? No, I know exactly I mean, what he's yeah. saying. Like, the, yeah, I know what he means. Okay. Okay. <laughs> They're finally getting some, like, Plains natives out there. That aren't like those John Wade ones that are Yeah, and they have like personality. So it's yeah. still worth seeing now. I still love it. All right. So okay. He- here's another one to depress yourself with. Oh, God. Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, the HBO original movie from 2007. Did you ever see it? Uh, I read the book, and I think I was good after that. Holy you're, cow. You're, you're probably all right. The, the, bo- the movie's very good. Don't get me wrong. But if you've read the book, you already know how depressing and what this is going on. Yeah. So basically what this movie is in general it follows the sto- the true story of dr charles eastman a former uh lakota um and sioux native um native american who mm-hmm. is kind of matriculated into uh white society after like leaving his things when he was a kid and you know getting taught in missions and it's basically from his perspective trying to be a native moving into white culture while at the same time it's also telling the story of like sitting bull and all of his people in the Sioux Nation who are trying to fight against being thrown under reservations. And if you don't know history too well and you don't know what Wounded Knee is, it is quite the infamous little incident because I believe it's actually the uh, the Custer thing. Like Custer and his group or a bunch of cavalry, U.S. cavalry, mm-hmm. surrounded a village filled with um, old people and children and women and basically slaughtered all of them because they were mad at their um, husbands and such who were doing raiding parties. So the um, soldiers basically surrounded the camp and murdered everybody inside. And that yeah. led immediately to the uh, when they got uh, Custer. That was basically why all the tribes kind of teamed up. Yeah. And they're like, we need to go take this dude out now. And it led to the little battle at one. So it it's is, a lot. It is a rough one, man, because they don't even try to hide like just the scummy and dirty tactics it's really bad reading that book is horrible because it was like 20 different times that it was like the u.s government was like okay treaty Mm -hmm. and then they'd either go back on the treaty or the natives would show up to sign the treaty and they would just execute them there like it was just bad after bad after bad after bad there's this one scene where they're like okay we're gonna make this deal right all right all you have to do is just touch this pen and then we'll sign your name and we'll totally follow this deal and then a little by later like yeah we're not gonna follow that even though we said we would it's our idea yeah and if you can't watch it i mean the book is kind of crucial but i do have other books that i think um are maybe a little better, a little more modern that we'll get to towards the end of the show sure. if you don't want to pick up Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Yeah, it's an older one. It's a rough one. But well, we got you guys. Don't worry. We got a variety for you. Learning is still good, even <laughs> though it's quite painful. Okay, I have a, a newer movie. Have you seen Indian Horse? I have not, actually. Oh, I feel like you're going to like this. So this is 2017. This is based on the best-selling novel by Richard uh, Wagamese. Nailed it. And, and it was produced by Clint Eastwood. It follows Saul Indian Horse. Um, what's this tribe called? Oh, Ojibwe. Ojibwe. See, when I hear them, you're like, of course. But looking <laughs> at them, you never see them. Um, so he's an Ojibwe boy. He's torn from his family and committed to one of those terrible residential schools. And at the school, he is denied the freedom. He can't speak his language or embrace his heritage. He is a witness to the incredible abuse by the people that are sworn to protect all of these kids. But he finds salvation in the unlikeliest of places, the rink. 
He oh. has incredible hockey talents, and that lead him away from the school to bigger and better opportunities. But it's kind of like no matter how far away he goes, the ghosts of his past are always really close behind. So it's a really poignant sports film, but it also brings awareness to the portion of Canada's very, very shameful history surrounding Native Americans and the racism. I mean, it has been in the news just recently, the hundreds of indigenous graves they're finding in Canada at these residential schools because they were just murdering children. Oh, we're up in the thousands now. That number has gone up exponentially. It's yeah. disgusting. You know, when you think about it here in America, if you think we've got a rough history, at least we've had time to kind of come to grips with it. And we've never at all hidden the fact that we're terrible when it comes to natives. Canada now is getting one of those. You guys weren't as great to natives as you think you were. Yeah. Because like, your reputation would lead you to believe. So this film is great because you're, you're seeing that aspect, but you're also getting the sports. I mean, I read this whole thing that I had no idea that Native Americans invented hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like completely linked to them, which was really, really fascinating. So you get some of that in the film. So you should definitely check out Indian Horse. I, I think I'm going to have to go check it I out. I mean, too. it sounds like a very Jacob movie. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's got hockey. Hockey natives. That's, I like both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm going to make things a little lighter here. We'll go up we'll a little fantasy stuff in here. Oh. Let's, let's go a little fantasy. bit here. Somebody go with 2007's Pathfinder. Have you seen it? Michelle. No, I'm already nervous. So. Never even heard of it, I'm sure. <laughs> no. So um, so here's a fa- fun fact they found out recently. Uh, turns out Vikings, like everybody already kind of knew, they were here about 400 years before Columbus was running around North America. Oh, yeah, they the came natives. and then they like left. Yeah, but they found like uh, actual like burial mounds from like, yeah. the year 1000. So Those maybe, Vikings knew how to travel. They, they could go, man. But so that just shows that natives and Vikings have got quite a long history. So why not make a movie starring an Australian to talk about how they fought him off, which is what <laughs> Pathfinder is. So Carl Urban, f- uh, friend of the show, Carl Urban, uh, plays a Viking boy nicknamed Ghost who is uh, lives with the Wampanoag tribe after he survived a shipwreck with his family. You know, a bunch of Vikings that came over. Um, now, there's a legend that death and destruction are going to follow him, but the people still try to help him, you know, grow up anyways. Fast forward to when he becomes an adult. He loves uh, uh, actress Moon Bloodgood. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, and then all of a sudden, some random Vikings decide to show up and start massacring everybody oh, in his family. Oh, not the random Vikings. Yep, and I'm talking, these are some, like, horrific Vikings. We got the uh, the guy never takes his helmet off, and it's all conan <laughs> looking. Uh, they just basically come over and start massacring everybody, so it becomes up to adopted son ghost. Jacob, is this actually a terrible movie? Oh, it's a great movie. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a pretty great, uh-huh. stupid movie. <laughs> okay. Directed by Marcus and Nispel. If you don't know who that is, you'll shrug if you do your like oh i know what you're talking okay. about now it's it's a pretty fun it's a one-man army but one guy taking out a bunch of vikings in the woods oh it, it, i don't hate the sound of it but i worry it, well that's why i said right <laughs> off the bat i'm like eh, it's a carl urban okay. movie from the early from the mid aughts so you know you know what you're gonna get there but you know that oh, it's so it's, it's a good fun time day. it's a good time man turn your brain off imagine this might have happened Shrug your shoulders and like, sure. Okay. Russell Means is in there too. He's another great native actor. We I'd have like to look him up. He's, he's one of those faces. You would recognize him if you saw him. But Okay. Um, but yeah, go check it out. I have one that is is awesome. Oh, you know what? I just oh, looked at the thing here. Clancy Brown is playing the uh, the main Viking in that movie. Yeah. If you don't know who he is, he's like the 
the police or the um, head guard in Shawshank. He's the bad guy in Highlander. He's basically. Oh, I know. Who that he, he's a dude you want to play an over the top. Oh, wait. Villain. Did you look up who played uh, Mogwai in Last of the Mohicans? Oh, I did not. I'll look that up now for you. So go ahead and. Okay. Start so up. I watched a documentary last night. It was awesome. It is called Rumble, The Indians Who Rocked the World from 2017. Have you seen it? Um, oh, Wes Study played Mogwai so, in Last of the Mohicans. So there you go. It was him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a bunch of different people in that one. So that's what I'm saying. Like, who? There's like him. Russell Means is in there. I know him because we just brought him up as well. So. Oh, okay. Well. Well, whatever. We'll figure it out. There you go. <laughs> I only asked because my grandma met him in an airport once and she like ran up to him and she was like, oh, you were so bad in Last of the Mohicans. And he went, no, I was the worst. And she has like a great picture with him, which she always loved. (laughs) So anyway. I I imagine her just like walking through the airport. He's like, student. He's just like (laughs) gives her the finger guns walking by. (laughs) See, you're not just recognized from Dances with Wolves. You're also recognized as a terrible person from Last of the Mohegans. (laughs) Anyway. Rumble. So this is a documentary made by Catherine Bainbridge, who I will say is non-native, but it's produced by Stevie Salas, who's okay. a Native American rock and roll star. So Rumble, do you know the song? It's the guitar instrumental recorded by Shawnee guitarist Link Ray in mm. 1957. Can't say that I do. Ah, you do. I know we're not supposed to play music, but hearing on. I'm just going to put it on my phone. I wonder if I just hold it up to the speaker, if it would pick it up, because you definitely know it. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Right? It's you're walking, the jam. You're walking into a Mexican bar and you're about to have a gunfight. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the, um, that's the Robert I, Rodriguez noise. That is the only um, non-verbal, because it's just instrumental song. It was banned from the radio because they felt just that music would make youths have, like, gang fights. I wanted my... F- my fist started curling up. <laughs> yeah, a exactly. Bit. So it, it does make you want to fight. Yeah, they thought that would incite violence. Um, but anyway, so the documentary is like about that. Martin Scorsese's in it, and Iggy Pop, and Robbie Robertson, um, and it is all about how influential American Indians in rock and roll are. Mm-hmm. And dude, well, Elvis had no idea. It's unbelievable. It's it completely fascinating. We were watching it last night, and we were just like, wow. I didn't know that pretty much so much of this rock and roll start with natives. All of the blues originated with natives. It's it's excellent. It was really, really entertaining. I just can't recommend enough is Rumble. I'm not surprised about the blues. I was talking to a guy in the res or something like, you want some blues? I'll, I'll play you a tune. That I know, but it's like they just were buried. Like no yeah. one, they didn't get the credit. Of all, at, at all they because still, it was don't. there was so much racism that people had to hide it. I mean, they were like in New Orleans talking about Mardi Gras, and there's all these people that you think are black because they are black, but they're also native. Mm-hmm. But it's like they had to hide their native because it was even worse to be native than it was to be like a slave at that time, which is yeah, to think yeah. about worse That's than crazy. a slave. You'd rather be owned than holy like, cow. Just be a regular person. It's like it's rough. Man, that's rough. So definitely, definitely check that out. Do you have one more, and then I'm gonna get into some books. Uh, yeah, go check out the uh, TV show Yellowstone with Kevin Costner on uh, Paramount Network. Season three starting up. The first seasons one and two are available on DVD. It's a good show about landowners and uh, versus a reservation out in the middle of the country. Man, are we just like number one Kevin Costner fan? 
Man, Costner loves the natives, man. I'll tell him that much. (laughs) He he knows where his bread is buttered. He does not mess around with it. Also, side note, it's really just a tangent, but I just really loved that... um, my one friend, when she used to have go to the OBGYN, her one doctor, mm-hmm. she was like, there's nothing in the room except one picture on the ceiling of Kevin Costner. So when you're laying there, uh, you just look up at Kevin Which Costner. Kevin Costner? Is it like a perfect world Kevin <laughs> I Costner? Is it? I just really like thinking about that. Anyway. I, I hope it's Prince of Thieves, Kevin Costner, and it's like that scene where he's drawing his bow. <laughs> <laughs> and you just so have to think about it. All right. So we're going to get into books. And I so indigenous author Tommy Orange points out that it's really ironic that November is the month um, that we celebrate Thanksgiving and Native Heritage, yeah. Native American Heritage Month. Kind of, kind of two sides of the coin there when you think about I it. I mean, it really, really is. But reading works by Indigenous authors or about Indigenous people should be something that you do all year long. I like to say, but November is a really great month to kind of add some things to your bookshelf um, if you have, if you haven't. And I know that picking up books and reading about things is not the same as taking direct action to support indigenous rights and cultures but this is going to help broaden your perspective as well as your reading list and then who knows what it might lead to not to mention you know they get paid for that so you want to throw some money their way it's very helpful i always uh, i try to really stick with the months and like who we're appreciating and i always either read something about natives or by natives um so let's just do a couple that you should grab so the first one is an indigenous people's history of the united states by roxanne dunbar or it's this is the first history of the United States told from the perspective of indigenous people. Nice. Um, so today in the United States, there are more than 500 federally recognized indigenous nations comprising nearly 3 million people, descendants of the 15 million native people who once inhabited the land. Um, and then it's about the centuries long genocide program of the U.S. settler colonial regimen that has really largely been omitted from history that we're only kind of starting to talk about now. So Dunbar Ortiz offers a history of the U.S. told from the perspective of indigenous peoples and reveals how Native Americans for so many centuries actively resisted expansion of the U.S. empire. And the book spans more than 400 years, um, and it's like a classic bottom-up people's history that radically, like, reframes U.S. history. And, I don't know, it explodes the silences that have really haunted this history throughout my whole lifetime. Oh, So it's really excellent for that. you got to get a different perspective, man. Everything's, it's pretty grim what's going on. Well, it's the only thing. I mean, getting, as my sister says, getting smarter makes you sad, Michelle. Why do you do it? But (laughs) (laughs) That's why they say ignorance is bliss, man. I, I get that. The other one, this book is called The Heartbeat of Wounded Knee, Native America from 1890 to Present by David Truer. This is a sweeping history and a counter narrative of Native American life from the Wounded Knee Massacre to the present. Um, and I believe that David Truer is, uh, he grew up in the, what is it again? The Ojibwe's. Ojibwe, I love how you say it. <laughs> um, on a reservation in Minnesota, and he trained as an anthropologist and researching Native life, past and present. Um, and he really uncovered a different narrative, which is what the book is about, because Native people did not disappear um, you know, they were just like pushed down because of these intense struggles to preserve their language and their traditions and their families and their very existence. Um, and so it really goes into that and the kind of reinvention that 
you know, a lot of the communities are trying to have. Oh, yeah. Like, got to get a different, got to see what's going on, everybody. Hopefully, they got a different viewer, because, man, I, in my head, I am trying to imagine this dude with, like, a thick Minnesota accent trying to, like, <laughs> give a, a grim Being history. native, yeah. And, yeah, and being a total nerd, because he's an anthropologist. Or, I love this Oh, geez. Then, then they go, went ahead there, and then, then they, they killed everybody. They just killed them all. I don't understand. <laughs> oh, there's a film for you. And then- <laughs> William um, H. Macy on that now. So, these are books by natives. This one, this book has my heart. It's called Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. I've brought it up on the book before. But she just really brings together indigenous teachings and plant ecology in just the most gorgeous exploration of our many relationships with other species on this planet. And her essays, um, they range from like the natural world and through just so many things. Oh, it's so beautiful. It helps us just envision this future with the autonomy of all living things is respected. I can't recommend it enough. Christmas is coming by braiding sweetgrass for everyone you know. That's my recommendation. Write it down, everybody. Write You've it been down. Told. Um, I'll recommend the book There There by Tommy Orange, which I really loved. This is a wondrous work. He really um, kind of shatters all perceptions here, and he follows 12 characters from Native communities, all traveling to the big Oakland powwow, um, and then ways that they're connected to each other that they don't even realize. It's really poignant and unflinching. Um, it's a really unforgettable book. There is a lot of pain in it, um, but there's beauty and spirituality as well. So if you haven't read Tommy Orange, I recommend that. And then a book that I'm reading right now, which is definitely kind of takes a little flip. It's The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. All right. I'm listening. This, I'm sounds, listening. this is going to be a, a you book. I'm about a quarter of the way through it, and it really seamlessly blends classic horror and a dramatic oh, narrative with like a sharp kind of social commentary, I'd say included. But it follows four American Indian men after a disturbing event from their youth and puts them in this really desperate struggle for their lives. And they are tracked by an entity that is bent on revenge. And these childhood friends are helpless as the culture and traditions that they left behind are catching up with them in a really violent in vengeful way. Oh, I'm liking where this is going. Um, then it's going to give you nightmares, but in a really good way because it gets gory. Oh, I like that. Oh yeah. Any, no. It's... Anytime we start ripping people apart, man, you got my attention when it comes to stuff. Yeah. So, and also, it's not. You know, it's just about the characters just happen to be native. I mean, it does play into the story, um, but it's an awesome book. I mean, Halloween's over, but it's it's still scary. November. I'm, I'm liking it, man. <laughs> uh, you talk, start talking about like. Buckets of blood flying around. I'm like, all right. You're into go. it, and some crazy elk. Oh yeah. I'm sure there's gonna be a Wendigo showing up at some point if you got if you got yourself a native book. I believe I'm waiting on that. But all right, I think we're out of time. Why don't you plug us up? So if you are looking to learn more about native culture for November, you know what's a good place to go? Huh? One of your local libraries. Oh, we have, good call. We have 37 branches all over Erie County. So stop on by, say hi, say hey. I want to learn about the uh, First Nation around here, and we will take you right to the section and give you all we got. Don't forget to visit our uh, website at www.buffalo.li.com. 
allbookedup.org. See what we got going on this week. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at allbookeduppod and let us know what native movies you are watching this week. Before I forget, next week, Veterans Day is a holiday, and we're not going to be here the day that we normally record, so we're not going to have an episode next week. Right. So you guys get a break, get a week off. And then you can check out some of the older episodes. Everybody likes that. Back catalog, everyone. Okay, let's do some facts. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, there are about 4.5 million Native Americans and Alaska Natives in the U.S. today, Mm. which is about 1.5% of the population. Okay. I still doubt that, but I'll take them at their word on this one. Interesting that you doubt it. Let's talk about that off the (laughs) mics here. Um, Each tribe has their own different culture so i feel like growing up we hear about like a handful of indian tribes like you're like okay i know the cherokee and the mohawk and the sioux but there are so many countless different tribes that even today the u.s government officially recognizes almost 600 tribes oh yeah they're all over the place every little group had uh that's amazing to me yeah it's just and so many of them are gone at this point i also love that there were female warriors because in movies, male Native American warriors are always the one that you see riding off into battle mm-hmm. while their female counterparts kind of remain back to cook and sew and take care of the camp. But in real life, this was not always the case. Many warrior Native American women fought alongside the men. And the most famous of these was probably Buffalo Calf Road Woman, a member of the Northern Cheyenne tribe who fought in the Battle of the Rosebud and the Battle of Little Bighorn. In fact, according to elders of the tribe, um, it was she who dealt Custer his final deadly blow. Nice. Well done. Got right? The, got the final shot. That's oh, amazing. Like that. I feel like they're not teaching that. That's God, why, we yeah. just always are pushing the women down. Yeah, us natives knew what was up, man. They're like, let the women run everything. They're doing a better job of anyways. We'll just go ahead and do all the murdering. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And you can thank the Iroquois Nation for the Constitution. That's my boy. such a big fan of. So depending on how much you know about the Constitution, you might be surprised to learn that Ben Franklin and the Founding Fathers modeled the U.S. Constitution on the Constitution of the Iroquois Confederacy. S- still kind of in effect today for the... Uh for my boys in the Iroquois uh, Six Nations. Yeah, except that Ben Franklin left out the most important part, which was that the clan mothers were the ones who picked the leaders um, at the representative level because they knew them the best, and we should still have women just being the leaders and picking the leaders, but hey, that's just me. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Women deciding this. I don't know what you're talking (laughs) about. We can't do that. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Please, you know, enjoy Native Heritage Month. Check some stuff out. Learning is growing, and we will catch you next time. Bye.